Oh, there we go. Hello, Internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Getting Some Color. I'm Joe Dubs. And I'm Zach. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on uh, 38, by the way. If anybody's keeping track of numbers, I know I am. I don't know about you guys, but I am. Um, we are going to be talking WCW Saturday night, May 1st, 1993. And then we have WWF Raw, which is May 3rd, 1993. But before we get into that, we have some news to talk about. A little spicy news here. Um, so Charlotte Flair is having some nuclear heat back heat, and what that means is that there's some drama in the back room. Uh, and I'm gonna go based off of what has been reported. So I did read up on some sources that even before the the whole fight backstage is that nobody wants to work with her apparently that yeah that she's that they don't want to be paired up with her uh and she's i guess being cocky and annoying uh but that's like a flare all flares are cocky but you got to be good to work with and uh, apparently she's not that. And apparently that Nia Jax situation, which we all thought was a work, was actually possibly, um, you know, a reason, you know, why people are hating her. Uh, it makes it, it makes you look at it in a different light now that this, this has come out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, on SmackDown, they were doing a segment with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. And Charlotte Flair was about to, like, hand off a belt, but instead of handing it off, she threw it, and that was technically off the script. Uh, and when went backstage in gorilla position. Apparently Vince McMahon was there. Um, there was a fight between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, and apparently Sonya Deville wanted to fight Charlotte as well, which, in result, had Charlotte Flair kicked out of the arena. So, I I don't know what to think about this. Do you, do you think she's doing all this shit because her boy, her fiance is at AEW and she wants to go work there, or is she just being a flare and thinking that she, you know, should be getting things because she's a flare? Um, I don't know. Some people, yeah, immediately speculated like, oh, she's just trying to get out of WWE and go maybe try to get an AEW or something because you know they would try to fucking sign her. They'd be fools not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like some people, there's been allegedly some people have said that, oh, it's just somebody who's, you know, a star that's trying to protect their spot, you know? They're, they're looking out for their interests or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess that's, that's fair. Some people have done that. Um, but like in this case, I don't really see how in this segment, her doing what she did protects her spot because they were just supposed to trade belts. So it's just like, honestly, what, what got me about this was they've been in this situation before where like they had, they had people switch shows and they swapped belts but they never did it on air. They just they just did it off screen, and the belts got switched. Why did they feel like they had to do it on air this time? This branding thing sucks, by the way. Like, 
I, I'm going to go a little off script like Charlotte Flair, but not enough for me to get kicked out by to uh, out of arena. Um, if you're doing a brand split, right, you have to plan it where storylines are becoming stale. Uh, and then you, you quote unquote, re relinquish the belts, meaning nobody has the belts, but you're still the champion in a way. And wherever you're drafted, you're the champion. So for example, let's just say Charlotte went to SmackDown and Becky Lynch went to raw. I don't know how it was. I just know the belts and stuff, uh, in that segment, but you know, when they're in their drafted area, then you hand them the belt. Why they got it? Why does WWE do this stupid thing? where just like, we should do this on air. Like we should have them switch it unless it's leading to a storyline where it's just like WWE's working us and we're just like, Oh, she's just a cunt. And she just wanted to do that. You know what I mean? It's possible. I mean, another, uh, that thought entered my mind too. Is like, Oh, maybe this is just a little bit of a work, but like, I don't know because I'm starting to think not because like I said, the situation is kind of evolving with that mm. where, um, like so a couple more little reports came out about oh some people saying stuff about her like how she's been ever since she came back or something um and they pulled they pulled her off of all her all the media appearances she was supposed to make that's interesting yeah so it's that that made me start to think oh maybe this isn't actually work something must be going on it was odd because remember when she came back right and she yeah. was just like giving the middle fingers to the fans now, she was. keep in mind, that could also be a work that could put you over as a heel. Um, but it was like out of place, if that makes she, sense. She was doing stuff and having like mannerisms that I felt like she never really did before. Like she was doing like fucking crotch chops mm. to fans and flip off. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is entertaining, but like, I don't, she's never done anything like this before. Okay. But. I think a lot, I honestly think a lot of this probably stems back to um, when she was off because uh, she had to get, I think she had like some nagging injuries or she had like a surgery she needed done or something mm -hmm. uh, from before, like last year, like the end of last year. And uh, it's like she was actually ready to go a lot earlier than when they brought her back. Mm -hmm. And they had her, she missed WrestleMania. And I can remember um, she was doing interviews shortly after she came back and she was basically uh, venting about how aggravated she was that she missed WrestleMania and they didn't bring her back earlier. Um, and she said, like, I, I don't have as much time in my career as, like, the men do or something. I don't have as many of these spots, like, that are coming to me. Mm -hmm. That's a legit point. Because, I mean, I don't know, women tend to retire earlier or something. Or maybe she's got plans where she's not going to last as long. Yeah. You know? I mean, if she's going to get married and have a family, maybe and just stop. Maybe not. I mean, Becky's trying to do a thing where she's like, oh, I'm going to have a family and I'll still come back and wrestle. It's like, okay, you're doing it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I thought it was weird, too, that she got in a fight with her, of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I mean, and allegedly the reports are everybody was like, she was standing up for everybody in the back and everything. 
So I don't know. That's kind of strange. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be like a mark for AEW, but I feel like that option of being with her fiance was one of them because. Literally, when he left is when she was pretty much injured, or when she, he got released, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, I have a feeling that maybe that's the turning point. Because, you know, you're losing your partner, too. And I know it's business, and you should think have a business mind. Uh, yeah, you almost have to be like a John Cena and not give a fuck and just... If if you're not part of the business business uh, brother, then I'm gonna break up with you, kind of thing. You know, like I was thinking about that too, like the business aspect of it, and mm. it's like honestly though, like what is there left for her to do in WWE, really? Break her father's record. That's the only thing left, pretty much. I mean, she's almost sure, there, I guess. But like, is that even like, <laughs> is that even worth doing? No. Is that, is that does she deserve to be able to do that? No. Is it the same? Because you know, I mean, she's. I'm not saying women's wrestling is inferior or anything, but is that even comparable? Like, no. It's, it's not. And I'm besides that that whole thing about oh, 16 times it's already debunked. There's actually he's actually won more world titles than that. WWE just doesn't recognize him. So, I. The only thing I could think of. Is I know we've seen Becky versus Charlotte a lot. We see it, when it came down to it came down to the trios, like you know her Bailey, well all, all the whole fucking four horsewomen, I guess. Bailey, sort of. Bailey, Sasha, uh, Becky, and Charlotte. Charlotte needs an a, a le- I'm not. I almost said legit. They're all legit, uh, but like they they need a different person. Uh, that would be her, like, uh, rival in a way, to make it big, to make it big, almost like Lita versus Trish Stratus, but like bigger than that, obviously. Well, they already did that with Becky and Charlotte, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> like, uh, they the problem is their roster, their roster depth, which is they they don't have anybody lined up that can be in that spot right now. Like mm. Bianca Belair probably could. But she's occupied with Becky right now. I guess that's still ongoing. So that's the other on the other show. What's happening? What you're talking about should happen is happening right there. Yeah. Uh, but in Charlotte's case, who they have that's ready that has the credibility? Nobody. 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 Like people. There's people that fans want to see get in that spot, like Liv Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, who they keep burying for some reason. I don't know why. It's like she's, I've seen her a couple times lately. It's like, yeah, she's gotten better. But for whatever reason, it's like she'll have a pretty good showing. And then it's just like they'll have her beat and like that queen of the queen's crown tournament thing. She got beat out really fast. She keeps losing. She keeps losing to Carmella. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> she lost her feud with bianca belair like who cares she's kind of like irrelevant right now i think the feud between her and carmella was apparently who's the most beautiful one that was a feud storyline who was the most beautiful one well like (laughs) i think carmella won i guess she's most beautiful 
Okay. I don't. <laughs> and let's talk about the the Queen and the King of the Ring. Xavier, like I love Xavier Woods, but really, does he need? They they make the King of the Ring a joke now. It's such a joke. Like, why even bother doing it? Just so that they could have that stupid king and queen, um, you know, get up. Honestly, it, if anybody could make that work and run with it, it would be New Day because at least New Day's already a joke. Yeah. So it's like whatever they gave the joke gimmick to Xavier Woods. He deserves some kind of accolade. But Selena Vega. So, I'm yeah, I'm really surprised by that. Like why they picked her to be the first the the queen of the ring. And now, like, I saw her in her inauguration ceremony or whatever the fuck on SmackDown, and she was, like, t- she she was being all stagey, and she started doing, like, a, a British accent randomly. She was in and out doing a British accent. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, either commit to it or not. Like, you're not Booker T. Like, it's... <laughs> That would... Everything goes back to with Booker T one King of the Ring and how that just they they love that it ruined everything. The the latest King of the Ring that I like, well the, the Kings I should say, are King Booker and King Barrett. Because Barrett, I think King Barrett like introduced. I've got some bad news pretty much around that area. No, when he became King Barrett, that's when he got boring. Really? Like he he was Bad News Barrett before that, and then he won King of the Ring, and they had him drop his Bad News Barrett gimmick that was getting him over, and he became fucking boring. <laughs> it was it was terrible. It like pretty much ruined him. <laughs> I liked it a little bit. I I thought it was a really bad idea because they they just had him get rid of what got him over. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they're trying out Zelina Vega. Maybe they're trying to see if they could push her to be like a mega heel. Maybe. I think they, I think that's possible. She's definitely got the interview skills for it, the promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know she can wrestle. It's just the way they present her is like really diminutive and like not very effective. It's it's, it's kind of weird because I've seen her wrestle before, and I still th- I still think it needs its own pay per view or at least a special night. Now I know it was in Crown Jewel. But, but, uh, the crown jewel. But fucking, it was silly watching women in like a seven f- x large shirt, uh, and then putting on that get up to be a queen. It's this is progress for women, <laughs> where we can't see their elbows. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, yeah, I mean, with the whole Charlotte thing, um, I don't know. Maybe she's just not happy. Maybe she's doing a Sasha thing because remember there was a lot of backstage things with Sasha and Bailey and Sasha like didn't show up for work for like what like three months and then she came back and you know decided to work again. Maybe that's what's happening with Charlotte. I guess she had she just had time off. Well, they. I mean, and she was complaining about how she had too much time off. I don't know. <laughs> Then I, I think she's just upset that they're jerking her around. I, I agree with her. It's like, why? I hate this shit. The, the alleged creative team couldn't figure out how to work her into WrestleMania. It was too late. It's too late for you. You can't figure out something for her to do within two or three months. 
Yeah, and, and you know what's <laughs> what you know what's annoying too. Like, you you hear about it all the time when uh, wrestlers go to either AEW or a different promotion, and they talk about creative. Then why doesn't like the whole roster just decide to stand up against Vince? Because Vince is not going to fire all of them. He's going to listen to at least maybe majority of the people. And when you have a Lynch and you have a Sasha and you have a uh, who's there other people on the other side? I don't know. <laughs> AJ Styles. I don't know. And they all go, this is dumb. Seth Rollins. Yeah. I think Seth Rollins is pretty irritated with the creative lately too. Like he recently revealed he fucking hated being in that hell in a cell match with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And he knew it damaged him. It, it like has everybody's perception of him and everything. Yeah. Um, he said he wanted to fucking punch Vince out. <laughs> like that's how fucking mad he was about it. Because <laughs> nobody, nobody says no, and it, that's what kind of annoys me. Like if, if Charlotte is thinking that, like, hey, this is dumb, and this is the reason why I'm being a bitch is because I don't want to do this, and then everybody's just following what Vince and the company, or not even Vince, just creative and corporate in general. It's just like. This is the reason why I stopped watching your product because literally I don't the reason why I'm talking about this is because it's in the news and it's kind of like interesting to see a flare being like this this is dumb and <laughs> I I shouldn't be surprised cuz Rick Flair kind of, you know, back in the day said, "Well, I'm just going to go to WCW." And he did that, you know, jumping bean back and forth. Rick Flair would take his shit and leave when he felt like there was nothing good for him there. Yeah. And maybe that's what she's doing. Maybe we will see her in AEW as <laughs> hopefully she gets to keep her name. Uh, and it's not like Charlotte Flair, but Flair spelled wrong. It's actually spelled F L A R E. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with her. Uh, I've been thinking the same thing you have though, where it's like, I'm wondering like, like I've thought several times, like, you know, the talent could probably just get together if they're really sick of this really shit creative, mm-hmm. that they just have to keep dealing with and just stay like, say, listen, we're going to hold a meeting and you're going to, you're going to listen <laughs> because this shit is not working. Yeah. Because <laughs> think about it, right? You have all your top, and I'm I'm not saying like all your like jobbers and shit because if the jobbers stand up, Vince will just go like, okay, you're just gonna be in catering until your contract's up, and be like Zack Ryder and all that stuff. But well, like, it needs to be it needs to be like everybody. It, it needs to be like Roman Reigns. It needs to be Seth Rollins. It needs to be AJ Styles. It needs to be all the top people because Vince is not gonna go. Well, okay, we're just gonna replace you with you know this person, and he might he. He could do that if he wanted to. Uh, is it the wrong thing to do? Yes, because it's just going to look stupid if you have, like, Titus O'Neil come out of nowhere and then, like, win the world championship. They could do it. Will it work? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it won't work. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I hope it gets resolved some way. Either they let her go or they fucking figure something out and she calms down and maybe maybe they'll listen to her more if she's got ideas or something i don't know i will say this if she does come to AEW, that gives a pretty much green light that rick flair is going to be there as well 
I'd say that I'd say eventually. I don't think they'll still bring him in so quickly because of that dark side of the ring business. It would be a great distraction. I'll be like, oh, Charlotte Flair's here. She's my daughter, and here's my son-in-law's future son-in-law. I think everybody already forgot about it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like, like I still see Ric Flair post on social media and shit. Nobody's like throwing him under the bus anymore because you always have that like, one person now. You, there will always be that one person, mm-hmm. but like still, I think everybody's gotten over it. Uh, yeah, because he's Ric Flair. He loves to helicopter his penis for the boys. So, <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Uh, there's other big news where Ring of Honor announced they were going to go on hiatus after their final battle show in December. I think it was December 10th or 11th. Mm hmm. And um, what they basically said was, is after that show, we're releasing all of our on-air talent from their contracts. And we're going to work internally to figure out what our strategy is going to be moving forward. Why don't they go with NWA? Because if you have Ring of Honor and NWA with their rosters, I mean, one, you'll have TV time, right? They need a network, and I think Ring of Honor has a network, correct? Sinclair uh, Broadcasting owns them, but like that's why I don't think that would, that would work because Billy Corgan owns the NWA. It's not owned by a conglomerate or a company, mm-hmm. and I feel like he wants to maintain control over that, and if he acquiesced to them and sold to them, he would lose control, and he probably wouldn't want anything to fucking do with it anymore. True. And like we were looking at Ring of Honor's roster earlier, and it's like they don't really got that many people that are even like interesting. I would argue even the NWA roster has like more interesting people than them right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, uh, but yeah, I don't. I I'm guessing like this is what my theory is: is like AEW came out really kind of filled the void that was left in the market. Like they needed a good number two promotion we've needed that for a while because mm-hmm. we're tna just really fell off the map and is just it's like the damn cockroach of wrestling though it won't fucking die it's still around mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of people are like writing ring of honor off already a lot of people and i i would say that's fair to think that they're just saying this and they're just saying oh yeah we're gonna look at it internally and they're probably just gonna say fuck it we're done sinclair's probably gonna wash their hands of ring of honor yeah, like I could definitely see that happening because it's like they they bought this wrestling company back in like 2011 or whatever it was, and Sinclair Broadcasting has a lot of money, has access to like TV and shit, but they don't invest in the product. They don't fucking do anything with it. So like this entire time, they've just it's just they've had this real blase attitude about it. You don't promote it. It's it's very disgusting how TNA and Impact or slash Impact is still the cockroach of wrestling. Like and 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 Ring of Honor, even though it's like not huge like uh the other ones, it's still got like pres- it's still prestigious compared to TNA. It's still yeah, it's still I would say their image isn't really tarnished nearly as much as what tna is like if impact wrestling is a fucking joke now 
Like mm. I pretty much call it the witness protection program for wrestlers now. Mm. That's where you, that's where you go when you can't get work anywhere else because nobody fucking watches it. Nobody knows anything about what goes on here. Well, how sad is it that you had to have a different promotion carry your titles for a week? Actually, not even a week, months. You had Kenny True. Omega. You had Kenny Omega who held their titles for months, and then Christian had the titles. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I feel like that was a Don Callis move, a, kind of a weaselly way to get some cross promotion. Because how the fuck does AEW benefit from having that relationship? Really, none. They don't at all. Only only Impact Wrestling benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tony's a really generous guy, or maybe he's just uh, really uh, naive. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> I, you know what I think Tony d- does that for. Um, which I still think is good to have a working relationship with like New Japan or like a Impact because then you you don't have to sign these you know wrestlers you you, you don't just sign like a and I'm just going to use an example because I think Braun Strowman's going to Impact um you you don't sign a Braun Strowman because you just want him you know to wrestle a couple of matches you you have Braun Strowman wrestle an Impact and then do a cross promotion where you get to see Braun Strowman on AEW like maybe one or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if, if, if they're good, maybe down the road, they'll become a full all elite. Uh, so I, I definitely see, you know, that cross promotion stuff. But it, T, I, I still say TNA. I'm just going to call it TNA. TNA is just like, I try to watch their program. And it was kind of decent, I want to say, two months ago. But then, like, something happened, and it's just back to being TNA and all that stuff. Mm. Where, <laughs> like, Sammy Callahan or whatever. I don't know who the fuck's booking it. I heard Don Callis, like, lost power over there mm. uh, because he had some kind of allegations about him or some shit i don't know um so i don't really know who's in charge of booking that shit but uh yeah people are already like eulogizing ring of honor and shit they're like oh god damn they're gone they're done like uh i'm still kind of waiting seeing i wouldn't be but like i said i wouldn't be surprised if sinclair just washed their hands of them because i don't I don't know what the hell they could do. Like the only way they could turn this around is if Sinclair actually bothered to fucking invest in their product mm-hmm. and do a management shakeup of some kind. And they've, they've done management changes, but they've never pumped money into ring of honor. Really? You know who I wouldn't mind seeing possibly having management in Sinclair, Kurt Angle. I think if you have Kurt Angle to be the face of like a promotion, I think you could have pro wrestling. Like, even though AEW, AEW is far from pro wrestling. Like, there's a piece of pro wrestling there. Every time CM Punk talk, talks about it, I guess. Uh, but we need a pro wrestling promotion, like NWA. And that's mm-hmm. why, and that's why I think NWA needs to cross promote a little bit more as well. Because we need more pro wrestling. 
Yeah, I mean, if they want to keep that relationship going where they were cross-promoting the Ring of Honor, if they come back, mm. uh, cool. I mean, they were doing something pretty cool last year where they did, like, the Pure Tournament, which was they had the Pure title, which had, like, a bunch of, like, very specific rules and matches for the Pure Championship. It was shit like uh, you only have three rope breaks to get out of submissions or pin attempts. That's cool. And you can't do it anymore after that. If you're in the ropes, it doesn't matter. You're, you're just going to get fucking submitted or pinned. Mm-hmm. And there, there was like some other rules. I, I can't remember them off the top of my head right now, but it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, nobody else is really doing stuff like that. Like really rules focused kind of stuff. Because honestly, most people fucking ignore the rules anymore. <laughs> AEW, we're <laughs> looking at you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess... It's a we'll see. Hey, never know. It might. No, I don't see WWE absorbing them. There's. there's they could, they, I could see them maybe wanting to buy them for like the the tape library. Mm-hmm. Possibly. That's the only thing though. And I could see Sinclair wanting to sell it off just for like some small amount, probably even to be like, uh, give us. I don't know, like a. $500,000 and fucking here, have it. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe if they, you know, absorb ROH's property, right? Maybe they could have those cool rules with the pure championship. Maybe Tony Khan could buy it. That too. He's and making all these claims he has more money than Vince now. I don't fucking believe can, that. Can <laughs> we talk? Uh, we're we're going to add this news here. I am tired of AEW talking smack to WWE. I'm tired of Tony Khan doing it. I'm tired of wrestlers doing it. Just nonchalantly, just out of nowhere. Stop it. This is not the Monday Night Wars. And the more you make fun of it, what happens if Vince finally wakes up and finally does something? He can literally destroy AEW with the snap of his fingers if he wanted to. Yeah, if he didn't have dementia and was motivated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or let his son-in-law do his job. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Eric Bischoff was talking about that recently on like a podcast or something too. He was like, "You guys keep talking shit, and it's like you don't deliver on it." It's like they 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 made that brag recently about how like, "Oh, we're gonna beat SmackDown in the ratings because Rampage went up against SmackDown or some shit." Did anywhere near that at all? Of course, it didn't, dude. <laughs> There are people leaving in the middle of an Eddie Kingston and Daniel Bryanson match during the uh, Rampage tapings because people are tired of, of staying, what, even though it's a two-hour show, like, three hours is still a lot. <laughs> Sometimes it's four because they do that dark shit, too. Yeah. So, so it's like you'll, you'll show up early. And they'll be doing dark for like, I don't know, a fucking hour or something before Dynamite starts. Mm-hmm. And then they'll do, they'll tape some Rampage matches afterwards or more dark or, or something. It's like a four hour fucking show and you go. Yeah, I do want to see Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Bryanson. I'm interested a little bit. Brian Danielson? Brian Danielson, yeah. You call him Daniel Bryanson. <laughs> <laughs> I had a long WWE. Day. You WWE'd his real name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm tired of hearing about it because literally every time I go on Google now, because you know like on your phone when you like, I don't know what phone you have, but like when you swipe left, 
on an Android phone, you have like your Google news. And because yeah. I because I search a lot of WWE, the algorithm picks everything up or yeah. wrestling. And there's Tony Khan like talking smack to 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 wrestling. And I like and they always and they always want to go this those fucking demos and shit. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. Mm. Like Eric Bischoff actually broke that down and like he he's got a TV background and he fucking knows about that shit. So I'm gonna believe what he says. Where he was like, the demos isn't what everybody thinks it is. That's like all the demos are is like market potential. Yeah. Like who you can potentially market to. Like who is your biggest target potential audience in there? That's that's not something to brag about. Like what matters is how many fucking people watch the show. And he was uh, <laughs> he was Bishop because I I listened to his eighty two weeks when like. Uh, What's that guy's name? It's like Flair's son-in-law or whatever. Conrad Murphy. Yeah. Conrad. Conrad. Like that. Conrad is like talked, gave him a question uh, from a fan or whatever. And they talked about the demos and stuff. And he's like, why is AEW comparing their numbers, which they're not a developmental organization, like a federation. Why are they going up against NXT and bragging about it? Like, if anything, you're going to want to brag about, you know, beating a Raw or, or beating a SmackDown, which they're getting close, but they're not beating. Um, SmackDown and Raw is still going downward trend. I would say SmackDown still plateauing. Um, Raw is taking a fucking dive. But uh, so Rampage's views have plummeted back down to where they were, mm -hmm. like before CM Punk showed up. Now they're like, when he showed up, he got that 1.1 million um, viewers. And like just recently, <clears throat> the last reported viewership I heard, it was like 607,000. Well, they should be doing head to head at the same time. I don't know why after SmackDown, because if you're trying to capture SmackDown people after they watch it, who are you capturing? You're capturing people that don't want to watch AEW. You're capturing all the hardcore WWE fans. Well, on top of that, too, it's not really a good time slot for TV for most people, I think. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 p.m. on a Friday night. Yeah. That goes back to where I was like, Friday night's a fucking terrible night for wrestling because it's like most people work through the day all week, Monday to Friday, when they get off Friday, there's a fairly good chance people, younger viewers, like everybody wants to get, are probably going to want to go out and do shit. Yeah. So they're not going to watch TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And 10 p.m. is even worse. Some people are fucking tired and they're fighting sleep. Uh, Why not do a Saturday morning? No, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. That gets mentioned all the time by people that were in wrestling and helped run wrestling shows. Like, where's the morning shows? Where's you know, Sunday. Where's the Sunday show? There used I, to be shows on Sunday. I wouldn't mind the AEW Saturday morning shit. That would be awesome a little bit. Yeah, like Saturday morning or afternoon show, even like a noon show or something. Mm -hmm. That that would be fine. I I don't know. I don't. People are just scared of that time slot now. That kind of a time slot, I guess. Yeah, because you think about it a lot. If you're thinking about young people, like the demo that they're always trying to capture a little bit, like the the mid twenties, early thirties, and all that stuff. Like, they're all having hangovers 
So what are they going to do? They're going to turn on their TV and be like, oh, wrestling. I guess I'll stay in bed and watch wrestling. Maybe. Saturday morning. I feel like a lot I feel like a lot of their demo they crow about it, they're probably still asleep by fucking noon anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they would miss it anyhow. Yeah, I don't know. Um I say we get into some good wrestling, right? Yes. But before that, real quick, I'm gonna do a shout out to Hacksaw Jim Duggan because he just revealed recently he's uh having to do some surgery for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in, he was all over the Raw we watched for, for this week. And he's going to be all up in the next one, too. And it was, it, I just thought the timing was strange and it was fun. I've never, I was always okay with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Sometimes he was pretty irritating to me. Sometimes he, he was not. <laughs> but I never disliked him or hated him. I uh, don't like his gimmick. I don't like him the ho oh, let's go USA and uh I barely sell anything, but he did he did good in Raw. We'll get to that. It's very eighties WWF, but like he did a good job there when we'll get to it. Yeah. Um first up we got WCW Saturday night, May first. I already have a problem with the first thing that happened here. <laughs> you do? Yeah, I do. So they introduced this new team called the Blackhearts, and they're Which, all. By the way, David Heath Gangrel is one of the Blackhearts. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so they had this like creepy getup that they have, and they stare at the camera, and then they walk to the ring, and they're squeaking like a hawk. <laughs> Whatever. Like, oh, oh, they do like this weird. They make some kind of sign with their hands. It's the diamond sign before DDP does. I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, they're facing jobbers because, you know, you want to make this team look good. Dave Hart and Mike Winter. Yeah. And the crowd was dead. The crowd was confused. They were just like, who are these people? Yeah. And they were not reacting to the, the, oh, the, 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 the crow cause or whatever the fuck they were doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the intro was just fucking bizarre. Cause like, it was like, it just opens cold and you hear like this weird rock music and there's like fog. And you see these two guys in like Phantom of the Opera masks, like looking at each other, like into each other's eyes. And they're like very, lovingly touching each other's faces and removing the mask what the fuck is going on here i had to i had to look at our calendar that we made i said is this october like is this halloween havoc like what's going on here but no no it's It's may May first yep (laughs) i i I will say the wrestling wrestling ability was kind of cool um jesse ventura he needs to stop doing this twin comment bullshit every time there's two guys that look alike. Or oh, I got another twin. It's kind of like the cold twins. Uh, I don't know who the difference are. And then they start going, well, that's Blackheart 1 and Blackheart 2. And I'm like, God damn it. Stop. It could I, be worse. It, it it could be worse, but I was annoyed. <laughs> but the clotheslines and the, the shoulder tackles and the, the cross body uh, things that they were doing on the top rope. I digged. The only problem I had a little bit is that they didn't make them too strong. 
because the other team kind of started having somewhat of a little bit of an offense, but not enough to get notice. I get this is a squash for me. Um, but I, I think this was the wrong time to put these guys on. What, what I really think, and you know, before you give your opinion, the next match, the next match should have been number one, and this match should have been number two, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really have much else to add, actually, because you kind of summed it up. It's like they both did like kind of big. They're both bigger guys. You know, after I told you one guy's Gangrel, mm-hmm. like uh, they do kind of big man heel offense shit, they, but the wrestling is solid. It's not just punches and clubber and like wrecking crew or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the jobbers did fine. Uh, Dave, Dave Hart, and Mike Winter, and I like Jesse Ventura's comment. Did Mike Winter ever win? <laughs> <laughs> like Tony has to try to like cover for me. He's like, Mike Winter's won do- dozens of matches. He, he has, and he's like, <laughs> yes, he's got he's got hundreds of wins. He's like, he just never wins when I see him, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he says no response to that at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, I've always heard about the black hearts and I always heard that was like the tag team Gangrel was in before he got signed to WWF. Um, and they, they went to Japan for a while or something. I don't think they went to Japan yet. I could be wrong about that, but I, when I was seeing this gimmick in play, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but like, I thought that thought crossed my mind was like, this probably did get over in Japan because it's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, but like here it's, I don't think anybody got it. I don't think anybody understood what the fuck this was supposed to be because they even their masks there are, it's totally devoid of like any kind of identifying like marks or anything. It's just like, they're wearing a black bag over their fucking face. You can't even see their eyes or their mouth or anything. Yeah, it's very like cult, like a little bit. Uh, their getup. Um, it's very dark order ish. Yeah, but better. Like it was more creepier and not like a jobber crew. Uh, yeah, it, it was creepier, and the wrestling was better. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not like ups. I'm more upset that they put these guys at number one. Uh, kind of like exposed them a little bit. Um, we're just yeah. We're it's just like, oh wow, the fans are not reacting. And by the way, these types of fans, I the whole night they sucked. Because every every time like a black wrestler came out and this is their type of people doing this chant, they always did whoop there it is. And I'm like, why? Why is a whoops this was this is almost equivalent to uh this is awesome. Because every time something happened like that. It was like, whoops, there it is. And then at certain times when, um, that legend came out, Jack Black Mulligan, uh, I'm saying that legend, like, I don't know him. I know him. Um, but they were Jack Black Mulligan. (laughs) (laughs) Black Jack Mulligan. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jack Black Mulligan. But, uh, even when he was out, they were doing the whoop. There it is. But then again, oh man, yeah, and he was one of the better parts of this show, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I noticed that too, but you know, like I was thinking back about it, and they've been doing this for a while. 
Um, it's just, I didn't bring it up before, but here it was on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. The whoop, there it is. And finally, I was, I was just going to write a note, but I decided not to because I can just remember it. I'm like, did the whoop, there it is song just come out? Was it like brand new? And it became like a meme. Like, <laughs> just a meme in the 90s? Hold on. Because I, I don't remember what the fucking song is even called. It might be called whoop, there it is, but I don't fucking know. Uh, Oof, there it is. Oof, there it is. Um, when did it come out? When did it? Oh, let me write. When did it come out? I hate when they do this. But uh, yeah, they were uh, I didn't notice it like you or like I I guess I wasn't paying 93. enough attention. Ninety three. Okay, so yeah. it did. It did just come out. Uh, I didn't really notice that they were doing it to like uh, a lot of the uh the black wrestlers or anything. I just I didn't pick up on that because I've seen them do it other times too when there weren't weren't any I could remember that there was like I some, think the, there was some white people that were doing it but they looked awkward doing it <laughs> I honestly think it was something that they do when they get bored mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, when they would chant for Macho Man they used to or they would chant CM Punk and it's just like something they don't really care about they just start doing whoop there it is. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh I don't know how the black hearts are gonna work out. Uh I know they seem alright. I, I like David Heath, Gay Grell. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But next well, before, we come back before the, before that match, unless you were just about to say Paul Orndorff came out. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. Uh Tony and Jesse are talking, and then Paul Ordorf just shows up, and he just starts ranting and spitting in Tony's face about how unfair this is because they're changed. That him and Ron Simmons had a match last week for the TV title, and like the time limit elapsed for him to be able to win the title, and then Ron beat him like one minute later, mm-hmm. and then that as a result caused caused WCW management to be like, "Well, you're going to defend the TV title for 15 minutes." And he's like, "Got the the papers." The fucking rules. The contract. It says right here it's 10 minutes and they're making it 15. And that's not fair. He's like getting up in his face and Tony's like recoiling. He's like wiping spit off his face. (laughs) It's just really funny. And that's, it's just him ranting, but it's like hilarious. (laughs) And it's also true. It's like, yeah, it's in the contract. And even like Jesse Ventura is like, you know, that's not right. That's a British accent, but fuck. British, uh, you got British Jesse Ventura. <laughs> I can't do Jesse Ventura. I can't do a Minnesota accent that it's well. It's not right. It, it's just, yeah. It says in the contract, it's stated pretty clear, Shivani. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he, he yells, and then we get into the, the, the next match, which is Jim Neidhart and the Junkyard Dog uh, against uh, Chick Donovan and R- Rip Rogers. I almost said R.I.P. Rogers. <laughs> Rest in peace, Rogers. I will say this: this match should have been number one because, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it, it really it, this match pumped up the crowd. Um, Junkyard Dog is amazing in this match. Uh, he was fucking wrecking <laughs> Rip Rogers and Ch- uh, Chick Donovan and stuff, and Jim Neidhart was doing the same uh, with his moves. Uh, Rip Rogers, his selling is amazing still. 
Chick Donovan did a pretty good job selling too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is like I've never really seen that much of JYD work at all. I've always just heard about him. Yeah, and like I didn't even watch that much '80s stuff yet. Where where he was in WWF working, I always heard that's when he got lazy, though. Um, but here he looked weird because like he shaved his head and he, he shaved his beard. So like I'm always used to him having the the beard, and he just he look he just looked kind of off without that. Yeah, but, that um, the scruff, right? Yeah, and then like Jim Neidhart looks the, the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, JYD stuff looked pretty good, and they were bumping for him like crazy as they should. Mm-hmm. And he, like, they were, but the selling was hilarious. <laughs> And, uh, like the way it ended was eventually JYD took control and he hit the thump, the, the power slam. And then Anvil gets tagged in. He puts in the anvilizer, which I didn't know was like a submission finisher. He ever did. It looked awesome. It looked like a kind of a weird, like cross face chicken wing ish move. Mm -hmm. Not quite, but something like it. (laughs) It was a squash though. They didn't do anything to them at all. Yeah, I put it as squash, and uh, Dick Slater was keeping an eye on JYD, so I guess that's a planting uh, storyline that's happening. I guess so. I don't know how long JYD stays here, though, because I know at some point, fairly soon-ish, he goes to ECW. Okay. Which is weird. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird to me. Like, JYD's at ECW, but that was before they went in the Paul Heyman direction. Mm. Um. Then we got Uncle Eric to talk to us about Slayberry some more. It's so then, it's so weird seeing Eric Bischoff be tame. Like he's not like the heel NWO um, Eric Bischoff because every time no, I, he, he's like a squeaky clean TV game show host presenter or something. Yeah, and he has like all these pictures in the background of the legends and stuff. And then uh, that interviewer guy, what, what was his name? Gordon Soley, who was like a commentator for a long time, he's like widely considered to be one of the best commentators ever. Yeah, he he announces like all the, I think the Gagne Gagne people are there, the father and the son. Vernon Greg Gagne, uh, uh, they, I'm forgetting somebody. Um, I think they said Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah, and then uh, then this he brings up Nick Bockwinkle, and he shows a little bit of Nick Bockwinkle, and that was cool. Mm. And uh, I don't know what it is, but I always heard like Gordon Soli's voice. It just made everything sound like very serious, and like you would you would take it very seriously. It's true. Just him talking about like all that stuff was just like like it, it, he lends credibility to it somehow just by talking about it. Yeah. Um, and we got two more matches announced. We got Hollywood Blondes versus Ricky Steamboat and Shay Douglas. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm tired of that match, but I just I want them to fucking beat them this time, and I want it to be over, and I want Steamboat to do something else. But I like it's in the steel cage, by the way. Oh, I didn't catch that part. Okay, yeah, it's in the, it's going to be in a steel cage, which is that's going to be cool. I must have looked away and was writing when they were uh, talking about that stipulation. <laughs> then I... there is uh, your uncle Chris Benoit and beautiful Bobby Eaton are having a match against Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell. Yeah. My favorite mention was 
Oh, Sting's going to be there, but we don't know his opponent yet. <laughs> They're just like, Sting, we'll be in action. And it's like, you don't you don't know who he's going to fight yet? Okay. <laughs> who, who do you think he's going to face against? Because he's not facing Vader because it's going to be against uh, uh, Bulldog. I forgot his name. Briefly. Yeah, British Bulldog, David Boy Smith. Yeah. Um, I don't have, like a basis for this theory, but I want to say it's going to be Sid. Really? Okay. Because Sid, this is getting real close to where Sid comes back. And then they're going to feud with Vader and shit. Sting and Davey Boy are going to team up and fight Vader and Sid at the next pay-per-view after this. Okay, that makes sense. So that might happen. I'm not sure about this. I don't look ahead and spoil myself on this shit. So or this, that's my theory. Flair's not going to fight until after, right? I don't, yeah, I don't think so. He's still holding out on that, which is funny. <laughs> it's really cool to see like stuff like that happen where they mentioned Flair coming back and then milking Flair being there and still Flair not being matched, booked in a match yet. And he's still over. This is Ric Flair. It's amazing. I mean, like, Ric Flair is like fucking Hulk Hogan in the South. Yeah. <laughs> so, really? Uh, then we got Hollywood Blondes versus Italian Stallion and Rex Cooper. And I feel like I've seen this match before. Yeah. With these guys. I know for sure they've had, they had Italian Stallion in a match at some point. I think they, um, I think they did face this team before, but like, I guess they had nothing to, you know, I will say this is probably the weakest besides the Ric Flair segment. The weakest uh, showing of a WCW Saturday night. I know we're like about not even halfway through, but this match, I feel like didn't need to happen. No, especially because we've we've already seen it for sure at least fifty percent of it. <laughs> um, but I yeah, like there wasn't really anything to write home about. They pretty much just dominated him. Pillman's great with his heel mannerisms and shit. Mm-hmm. And the way he fucking chokes people, I love that. He just does a snapmare and just starts fucking choking you. I don't, I don't <laughs> like their finishers though. I don't like the atomic drop, the double splash. Yeah, it's kind of odd to see Steve Austin do a fucking top rope splash. <laughs> I still can't really get over that. I think if anything, you have Steve Austin do an elbow drop on the head, and have Flying Brian do that frogs or crossbody splash. Uh, well, another thing they could do is they could just do each other's individual finishers. Mm-hmm. Where Steve Austin does it like like a stun gun, and then like that dude comes off the ropes recoiling. He's like dazed, and then Pillman jumps the opposite side and hits the air Pillman. Yeah, which I've I've never seen them do that, but I feel like they should at some point. That Perfectly would, sets up. That would be freaking cool. But uh, yeah. squash uh, during the match they had a. Hollywood blonde produced promo in the middle of it. And it was literally a second. It, it was like 10 or 15 seconds. If that, it, mm-hmm. it was just them saying five reasons why they don't like Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat or whatever. And they pretty much just insulted them in five words. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, that's not that much. <laughs> and then uh, Jesse's like, Oh, they're trying to be like Letterman. Maybe they'll be on Letterman one day. We'll see, Shivani. <laughs> but it's a, it's another squash. So 
whole night so far, three squashes in a row. <laughs> get used to it. There's more. Yes. Uh, we get a um, flashback of Cactus Jack getting fucking murdered by Vader. Yeah, they recap all that shit. Yeah, and you know they show the serious and seriousness of it, and also Jesse Ventura still like shocked about it. Like they have a heel commentator being like, "Oh, that's fucking terrible." <laughs> Which is a nice touch though, because usually he's just such an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it let, that that's like a real subtle way to let you know this is this really is fucking serious. Yeah. Um, lost art. But uh, Tony's back there interviewing like the guy who's like the trainer for them, and he's just basically asking him about Cactus's injury and like what's going on and if he's talked to him and stuff. And kind of explaining what his role is and how this injury is different from every other people's. And I like this a lot, actually, because it lent credibility to the idea that this is a sports-based program. <laughs> the trainer was kind of like very... I mean, it's good that it's not like an actual actor and he's acting really well. It actually feels like they got a trainer. And like, oh, yeah, he hurt his upper area and all that stuff. His his upper torso was there were contusions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he yeah he didn't feel like an actor or like he memorized lines. They pretty much just told him like probably tell us about how Cactus has this injury supposedly. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> and he just felt like a guy that was doing that pretty much. Yeah. Um. Then after that. We had Scott Flash Norton versus Z-Man. Yeah. And and this, this squash was fun, though, because it was Scott Norton. <laughs> Scott Norton literally killed the man. I loved it. I loved how he opened it. Like, he grabbed it by the fucking throat and shoved him in the corner and threw him across the ring one-handed. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. And then he just, like, no-sells drop kicks and super kicks and then clotheslines the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And power slams him, and it's over. I'm like, yes, that's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking about J Gun and uh, Z Man and all this stuff. We're like, oh, they're starting to win, and now they're back to jobber again. They're jobbing out separately to people. Yeah. So another squash, but then we get a promo with Jesse Ventura and Scott Norton, and, he t- and Scott Norton talks about respect that he wants respect in uh, WCW. Now, like, I want to stop here for a second because it's like Scott Norton's promo is not like great or anything to write home about, but he doesn't come off like stupid or anything. Mm-hmm. It's like it's okay, but I'm like, I was just thinking like when I was wa- I'm watching his squashes and I'm I'm watching him do these promos, it, his intensity comes off well, and like I feel like eventually we'll see him in a longer match. Yeah, but I'm like, why wasn't he like a bigger star in WCW? Like, I don't get it. Like, clearly this guy can really work. He was in Japan, fucking working forever. Maybe they like, they were just like, oh well, we got a Scott Steiner. They kind of look similar with the singlet and all that stuff. Well, Scott Norton's bigger than Scott Steiner. I know. <laughs> I don't know that he's a better worker necessarily. I kind of want to say maybe, but I'm not really sure. But god damn, he's fucking strong as shit. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's a very short interview, and then all of a sudden this weirdo dressed like Colonel Sanders shows up. 
Colonel Rob Parker. He's Colonel Robert Parker. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. And he gives Jesse a Cuban cigar. And he's like, this is this is contraband. How did you? He like puts it away in his jacket. Like uh, uh, Je- Jesse Ventura is like all confused. Like, what the fuck is this a fan? Like, obviously he knows who it is, but like he played it off kind of weird. He kind of played it into like a face territory a little bit. Kind of. I mean, this weirdo just shows up dressed like a fucking plantation owner. <laughs> And like he just gives him a cigar, and says that he's here to manage. Uh, no, no, that's when they come back from the break, and he's like with Tony now up on the stage, mm-hmm. and he says he's here to manage the greatest stars of all time, and he'll be back to show us a contract next week for a wrestler he's going to manage. I'm like, okay, and I still feel like he he feels really fucking weird because he's he's dressed like a goddamn plantation owner. And he he's really hokey and shit. I don't know what to think about this. <laughs> Doesn't he join the Hollywood Blondes? I think so. I think they manage. He manages them. Yeah, possibly. That's gonna among be other people. He has like a stable that he just manages different people for a while. The segment was weird because like he infiltrated like Jesse Ventura's interview, and then he like goes to Tony and like, is there any security in this fucking arena? <laughs> Why did Scott Norton just not destroy him? Mm-hmm. Because he was like so fucking pissed and he was talking about respect and then this fucking weirdo just walks in front of him while he's doing his shit. Mm-hmm. He should have grabbed him by the throat and threw him into the fucking like audience or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we come to Barry Windham versus Pez Waitley. Watley. Watley. Yeah. And holy shit, Barry's taller as fuck compared to Pez. Pez is a, a shorter guy, but you know what? I like Pez because Pez did an arm drag and he started doing this dance. Mm-hmm. And then Barry just looks at him for like 15 seconds and is like, what the fuck? It's like he was more pissed off than he arm dragged him. And then he takes control and just starts beating on Pez and he can sell like a motherfucker. Like every time he was hitting him, he was like crying out in pain. Like he was like, ah, and he was like, like shaking and shit. Like it was like, like he was really getting beat up. I was like, damn, this guy can sell. What I like about Barry's squashes is that he allows the other guy to get some offense in. It's like he welcomes it just to see if they're worthy of his time. But once he finds out that he's, they're not worthy anymore, that and that's when he starts to destroy them. Yeah. Because, like, Pez got a few more moves in. Like, I think he had a drop kick, and he tried to go for another one. I think he did, some, like, a couple other things. And then he just shut him down. Mm-hmm. And just started doing, like, the suplex, the float over suplex, and some punches and shit. And, uh, like he hits the DUT and he beats him. Yeah. And he's, he makes a no four horsemen, just me. Fuck you all in the camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a good squash to keep Barry established. And then during this, Jesse leaves because he's talking about how he doesn't want to be around Blackjack Mulligan because he's a fucking redneck. <laughs> so he leaves. He has a hilarious reason for leaving, too. He's like, they're going to. Oh, my, my jet's here. The Stallone and Wesley Snipes needs me for this scene. You know I'm on demolition like, bed, right? 
And Tony's like, they don't film on Sundays. He's like, uh, well, oh, it's overtime. He's like, I, I gotta go. He's leaves. <laughs> he's like, well, he's gone now. <laughs> um, um, then they get back into Slamboree with the masked assassin. The assassin. And uh, this is where the Dusty Rhodes hate starts. Because he, he did say it last time, uh, the masked assassin, but he brings it up again. But, and then down the road, Blackjack Mulligan hates Dusty Rhodes as well. But we'll get to that later. I like this assassin guy because, like, he, he's, his way of talking is, like, you really want to pay attention to, like, what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, yell and shit. He, he talks, like, very, in a very low, calm voice. Like, he's very sure of what he's saying. And he's, he's, he's really well-spoken. It's just weird because this is like this huge fucking guy. <laughs> it's just, it's, you just have to see him talk. But like, man, I get really invested in like whatever he's talking about when I'm watching him. I'm like, this guy can cut a fucking promo. I know he can. I have to like try to find some of his promos or something. And I like that they're still like hating each other. Like the rivals yeah. are still there. He's like, there's gonna be all these egos in this room, all these, all these feuds that go way back, mm-hmm. and like so many of those men in one room, something, something could happen. It's like, oh shit, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> He's a are you cause an incident. <laughs> well, he is assassin, so yeah. I hope, uh, I hope Dusty, like, and all the legends go off. Like, I, I hope, hope they show like a footage, like, like remember when like Lex Luger beat up Bret Hart at that brunch? Yeah. I hope they show like a footage of like the assassin and Dusty Rhodes fighting or something. Like <laughs> it would just be great. I want to see that. We want to see a match that's not even going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just all because of the assassin. <laughs> so we have the new flair for gold. Um, for the gold, I should say. Flair for the gold. This is the first episode. And he has Harley Race and Vader as his guests. And he also has Fifi. Fifi, which was mentioned by Jesse before this segment. He's like, Did you see Fifi? And this Tony's always been vocal about hot women. He's like, Yeah, she's hot. I'm like, wow, he he does that now with like Penelope Ford in AEW. Remember when like him and JR were like drooling over her? When she, yeah, I do remember that actually. Yeah, <laughs> and like how she, how he hugs like Britt Baker. Maybe that's why. Uh, maybe that's why. Uh, fucking Adam Cole is being weird and je- jealous. Whatever. I still don't know why he's so jealous of like a sixty-some-year-old man. I don't know. <laughs> Adam, do you got problems? <laughs> do you need? Do you have low T? Do you need to like get some shark cartilage pills or something? He's playing Halo right now on Twitch. No joke. Fuck. <laughs> What's Britt Baker doing right now? Sucking Tony Shavana's dick. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> whoa we don't go flinging around allegations like that. I, it's a joke, if anybody's listening. <laughs> um, I have mixed feelings about the flair for the gold. I liked it because it was entertaining. Because fucking Vader, it's funny when he's talking. <laughs> Vader just shows up in his ring gear and he just starts barking. Oh, oh. 
And he like does it to Fifi too. He like makes it a point to like go up to her and be like, oh, oh, <laughs> and intimidate her. It's like she's just like some 120 pound woman. Why you like <laughs> he takes like the tray of sandwiches from her. And... He like throws one away and fucking eats it and like throws it on the fucking table. <laughs> it was like the reason why I'm kind of like weirded out a little bit is because even though we went to that fucking uh the cave area with all that shenanigans and stuff this white castle of fear yeah like this segment kind of made fun of vader a little bit it, my... sort of, it was rick flair making fun of vader kind of yeah and then like and some of it was like the way they wrote it like vader was looking like a slob mm. uh harley race was pretty serious through this though yeah um rick flair was fairly serious he was just he was being rick flair mm-hmm. some of it i think was like they were like talking over each other a lot was was some of the problem <laughs> my favorite uh, my, my favorite question is me and uh me and the kids the people want to know what's up with the mask and like vader says I like my mask. <laughs> you don't like my mask? He's like, no, I think it's great. And he's like getting all pissed off at him after he says it's great. And he's like, I just, we just want to know. He's like, I like my mask. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh my God, guys. But uh, it's just Flair being Flair in an environment where he can like be a, a weird, kitschy talk show host or something. Yes. And Vader's trying to be vader but in this environment it just feels really contrived like it feels like vader's out of place in this environment mm-hmm. and uh eventually he just gets up and gets pissed off at rick flair and starts yelling at him and tells him that he's gonna take him to the school of pain he needs to put his fucking gear on so he can beat his ass mm-hmm. and then rick flair's like whoa brother whoa i'm like no it's like he's grabbing his suit he's like this is a thousand dollars no 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 <laughs> Eventually, he just walks off, and that's kind of like the end. Vader talks to Fifi, and he's like, "Why don't you come with me?" Like being like, "I'm a real man," and she's like, "No, I'm gonna stay with Ric Flair." And he's like, "We'll and then see." The crowd was like, ah. <laughs> "Yeah." I thought it was um, silly, but it was still entertaining because of Vader. Yeah, it it, it was. It, I had mixed feelings about it too. It wasn't. I didn't like dislike it, but it was just things about it that didn't mesh well or something. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do one soon with the Hollywood blondes. And that that's a much better segment because yeah. they, they're better at, they don't talk over each other and shit in that one. I've seen it before. Um, we come back and Tony's got blackjack Mulligan. Who's real fired up to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just like blackjack Mulligan can spit a line of bullshit. You can tell he comes up with like whatever the fuck off the top of his head. And it's like, entertaining and you'll hear him say some things you've never heard anybody say before yeah <laughs> so, uh like i can't even remember he, he'll talk a mile a minute <laughs> like it, it's like kind of overwhelming it's like i couldn't write down what he was saying because of how fast he would talk and how much different shit he would say well he he went into like being a face kind of thing like he was like oh i'm great to be here great to be here oh the crowd is getting into it and all that stuff and they were doing the whoop whoop there it is and all that stuff and uh like then we get into the matches and then he's like doing the heel shit doing the jesse ventura stuff and i'm like this is a little weird 
he's kind of heelish. He's not like everybody. Blackjack Mulligan. I'm not 100% about this, but I want to say he mostly made his bones on being a heel in the territories. Mm-hmm. But like now he's a legend and he's retired. So it's kind of like when you have that status of when you're like an old retired legend guy, you're basically just a baby face anyway. Yeah. But he's a, he's an old heel. So he's still going to have that heel mannerism to him and stuff. Uh, but they start like, we just go to eight guys fighting in the ring. I'm like, well, what the fuck? I got like whiplash from that. <laughs> it's like too cold. And, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the Cole Twins and Tex Lasger and Shanghai Pierce and the Wrecking Crew. And I'm I'm flabbergasted. This is going on. I lost track of this match. Um, even though it's not like chaotic like AEW, just kind of was a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point it did. But like seeing all the men in that ring and then seeing the camera angles they were using, it was like one tight spot area, and it was like really close up. And they would just, while they're in a ring, they would hit their, like, big moves. And then they would, you know, tag back in, and then the other team would do their big moves. And then Chaos would hit, and then all of a sudden, um, the Cold Twins in them. It just, it, it, it was lost. The whole thing was lost. <laughs> the match, like, broke down three or four times. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I couldn't get into what was going on, because there was so much chaos and like it, it would it wouldn't even sometimes it would break down just a little not totally like people would run run in and interfere and i'm just like fuck i can't like and i'm not being like some asshole who says i hate eight man tag matches multi-man match no because i've seen him done well before too but this is like one of those bad ones i'm just gonna be straight up i didn't really like this match that much um Blackjack's entertaining on this fucking commentary because he starts being a heel. He starts talking about like Dustin Rhodes because they bring up Dustin Rhodes. He's like, yeah, Dusty Rhodes is his daddy. Uh, you see, Dustin Rhodes, he's got tainted blood of the Rhodes family in him. <laughs> and eventually that tainted blood's going to come out. <laughs> it's just, it's just, and uh, somebody brought up something about Indians and he just said, I know all about Indians. I just started <laughs> laughing for some reason. Cause that just him saying that was funny. And he starts rat- rattling off different native American tribes. He fucking knows or some shit. <laughs> um, like I'm, being, I'm being more entertained by blackjack and Tony talking than this match. Yeah. It's kind of sad because like you have all your, you literally have your whole tag division in there. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at some point, shit broke down into chaos again. Then Bagwell got clocked by somebody in the opposite corner, and he just went out mm. and almost got pinned. And then it breaks down again. The Coles get tagged in. Then Tex tries to grab the bull rope. But then Two Cold runs up to the fucking corner behind him and grabs it from him, and he tosses it to Cole. I don't know which Cole because fuck it. And then he hits Tex with the bull rope, but the referee sees it. And it causes him to DQ. Yeah. So they they lost because they were stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a mess, but the commentary was fun at least. Three point seventy five out of ten. I gave it a four point five out of ten. Uh, I agree with you. The blackjack Mulligan was hilarious. Like the commentating kind of saved the match a little bit for me to like keep on watching. 
Because if the commentating wasn't good, I would have probably fast forwarded it. No, no joke. I I had to be fair because this shit really aggravates me when when companies do this, when they put on these multi man matches and it's just chaos. And I was like, God damn it, they do it here too. <laughs> I can't get away from it apparently. Um, but then we had Ron Simmons and Paul Orndorff for the TV title match of the night. I'm just gonna say yeah. it right out. The- it pretty it pretty much was it it was yeah. So this is the rules that uh, within 15 minutes, Ron Simmons could win the TV title um, because that's the rule, the new rule now with this match, at least uh, added time when it should be just 10 minutes, uh, which I agree. That's kind of bullshit. It kind of like makes the face authority look heel because it's like he Ron Simmons lost. Why are you? rewarding him of losing it's what a heel it's a fair it's a fair point it looks like they're playing favorites a little bit mm-hmm. so like i liked that it got questioned a lot because like yeah it's you know this sh- that shit shouldn't be happening and then you know tony's like oh it is what it is do 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 and we get into the match and they talked about his shoulder Ron Simmons, and he was doing the shoulder tackles, looking fucking amazing at it. Yeah. Uh, I like how they open it, though, where, like, Paul came out, and he was pissed off. He was grabbing people's signs and fucking ripping them up and shit. And then Ron just, he gets in the ring, and he doesn't even have his robe off yet. Ron just starts punching the shit out of him and drop kicks him, but he can't even get his robe off. He's still stuck in his robe. (laughs) And uh, Blackjack is calling him... uh fucking unsportsmanlike and that's what a guy from florida would do i guess yeah. ron, ron simmons is from florida he's from texas yeah <laughs> or, or, uh blackjack's from texas ron simmons is from florida yeah mm-hmm. and uh ron simmons was controlling like i want to say the first seven minutes of the match and then all of a sudden paul just fucking decides to slow it down like the heel that he is and you know, he's pounding on the shoulder. He's doing all the, you know, the, the stretches and stuff and headlocks. And I, I thought I thought it was kind of weird how they were working the match, though, at first. Because it was like Ron was doing, like, kind of heel-ish tactics. I'm not saying, like, he was cheating. But he was, like, he was working a body part and shit. And I felt like that's not what Ron Simmons would really do. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ron Simmons just overpowers you with like fucking strength and athleticism and shit and it felt just weird for him to do i feel like this is what paul should have been doing to him yeah it was like backwards (laughs) um i did and what's funny is like in the back of my mind i'm like i don't think they're gonna give ron simmons the title here because they, they, Paul was like doing like all of this like drowsiness. Like they, they both looked tired. Like they were, they were all both gassed at, at some point. They were just like throwing punches. And I'm like, oh man, this is never. Gonna... Ron Simmons is not gonna get the win, and he didn't get the win. Um, what do you call it? Ron's power slam was fucking crazy though. He's got great power slam, but and. In- just to clarify, it's not a running power slam. It's the 
the one where you whip them into the ropes and then you you, you turn, you rotate them and power slam like that. And then Paul has the sleeper hold, but then like go into the corner and then drop them with the suplex, the, the belly to back suplex. That was a huge back suplex. It was great. Yeah. And that was cool to see. But like at the end, um, it ended with a DQ, right? Yeah, because like some point Ron comes back and he after it's after he hits his power slam, he does a big top rope shoulder block mm-hmm. and knocks fucking Paul Orndorff all the way across the ring into the corner. And then he picks him up in the corner and he starts wailing on him. And then he just pokes uh, Paul pokes him in the eye real quick. And it causes Ron to recoil like damn. And then he like hits the referee, mm-hmm. knocks the referee over. And then while he's like recovering, he like Paul reaches his trucks, pulls out like a brass knuckles thing. It's like wrapped up in tape mm-hmm. or something. And um, he goes to hit him, but he misses and it, it flies off or some shit because Ron hits him and he hits some move on him. And then he picks it up and he's like, I'm going to fucking hit him. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's a baby face reversal thing. Mm-hmm. And he hits him, but the referee saw it. And it caused him to get disqualified. <laughs> Well, he didn't see it until he raised his hand. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he, he raised his hand. And he, Nick Patrick's looking at his hand like, hey, did you hit him? And he was like, no. Why did they make like, you? You're right. Why did they make faces stupid? I don't know. Like, yeah, you thought Ron would have been smart enough to throw it away after that. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, he kept it on. And, like, yeah, he, he got caught. And he lost. <laughs> I thought the ending was kind of weird, but I, I like the match still. Um, the match had a lot of intensity, um, and the selling was great. Uh, and the commentary was awesome again with Blackjack Mulligan. I gave it a 5.7 out of 10. Um, I thought it was all right. Uh, it had some strange, like, uh, planning in it i guess like i like i i thought it was weird the way ron was working the beginning of the match mm-hmm. uh but like i i'm guessing this is it for those two i don't know why i just get the feeling they're not gonna do another match after this for whatever reason though i feel like they don't really click together like i feel like there's like a style clash there because like their matches have been they've been okay but it's like, I feel like our expectations for them have been higher than what they've done. Mm. And it's just like, I feel like they're, they're having a style clash. Like Paul Orndorff's more like a classic worker kind of. And like Ron is a power athleticism guy and it's just not working between these two, I think. Yeah. So what you, what did you give it? Oh, I give it a six out of 10. Okay. I, it was, all, I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I do like the ending now, like the end end of the show when Rick Rude and Dustin fight. Oh, this was a good part of the show, too. Yeah. Because the whole time, like through the show, they're like talking about like Dustin's here. He's going to be in action. It shows him backstage and he's in the trainer room. And his shoulders taped up and shit. And then like Dustin's match is supposed to be next. and He's supposed to be get some jobber guy or some shit. And then they cut to the trainer area and it's like fucking fucked up and disheveled and nobody's in it. <laughs> like, what happened? 
And then they play Dustin's music and he never comes out. And then Rick Rude comes out on the other side. And he's like, typical Dustin Rhodes. He's just always just crowing, talking shit, and doesn't do anything. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Dustin comes out, and he gets in the ring, and he's all, all fucked up. And he's All the baby faces are trying to hold him back. His, his sh- shoulder tape's fucked up. Mm. And the implication is Rude fucking beat his ass backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he gets in the ring and yells at him to come on, and then Rude's like, fine! And, like, unlike every other heel, he's like, fine, I will! And he <laughs> takes all his shit off, and he's going to fight him, and then Dustin leaps out of the ring and lands on him, and they start fucking fighting. It was like it was like a fight. And, like, they were rip- he was ripping his suit off and all this stuff, and everybody was trying to get in there. It was chaos. It was, it was, it was like a fucking riot, almost. It looked real, and then Black... Jack Mulgan had to say this. I'm going to get in there right now. And he like leaves because he's so dusty in there as well. <laughs> so like that took me out of my immersion a little bit, but, uh, I enjoyed it. It looked fucking real. Like it looked like it was an actual fight. Yeah. It looked like two guys were mad at each other and they were fighting mm-hmm. instead of like, like on Dynamite, where they're like, the Dark Order has been in this bitter rivalry with the Elite, and they're dressed up as, like, in fucking Halloween costumes and goofing off. I'm like, yeah, this is a really bitter rivalry. They look fucking pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what the hell? What'd you give the whole show? Um, I gave it a 5 out of 10. And, like, my last notes I have is it wasn't a very good show this time. There was a lot of squashes. Mm-hmm. Some were okay, but they're becoming a bit too reliant on what I'm going to call the squash show format. Yeah. Because they really only had, like, two matches mm-hmm. like that were really matches, and the rest of it was, like, a lot of squashes. Um, More segments and promos this time that were entertaining, and, like, Blackjack Mulligan was fun on commentary, and I hated that eight-man tag. <laughs> I shared I shared the same thoughts as you. I gave it a five point one out of ten. Uh, the squashes were kind of too much in my opinion. Uh, the Vader thing was funny, but kind of weird. Um, yeah. The commentary was great. Um, that tag match, not the one with the Hollywood Blondes, the eight man tag match was just too much. And uh, this show is probably the weakest show we watched so far. It is for me. I went back and checked all my scores. It is. Mm-hmm. So could this be a chance for WWF Raw to actually get up on uh, a WCW uh, night? I think so, because we're off to a good start. Because it just, the the Raw intro plays, and then you hear fucking Hacksaw J- or Shawn Michaels is coming out. Mm-hmm. It's Oh, okay. It's that match they're talking about. It's just happening now. <laughs> Which, by the way, then, hold, hold on. What? Oh my god, the Kamala match was a fucking main event. That this should have been the main event, in my opinion. This should have been the main event, but like, I agree because they they're still weird about what they put on last or whatever. <laughs> but uh, Hacksaw and Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Title, it, it's going, mm-hmm. and Hacksaw is a total gimmick. Yes. 
he comes out the two by four, the whole the USA, and he makes the kind of goofy faces. It's very eighties WWF, mm-hmm. but he's still over. Mm-hmm. And then Sean's like running away, and he he can't he complains to the referee that he can't concentrate with all the noise, and the t- crowd starts calling him gay again. <laughs> <laughs> And then Hacksaw hits three clotheslines on Sean, and he does a flip and flops out of the fucking ring and oversells it. Now he's bump, he's bumping like crazy. If I remember correctly, um, when he was pissed about facing Hogan, uh, Shawn Michaels, back in I think it was oh three or oh five or whatever. Yeah, he oversell sell just like how he is here. No, it's worse than that than what this is. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, if you go back and watch it, like, what? Remember how he was selling in this match, but then go back and watch what he does to Hogan. It's like he makes it way ridiculous. Like here, he's it's a little bit much, but he's bumping like a, a heel would for somebody that's like overpowering them. He's like kind of they have to overdo it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he just overdoes it a little bit more than other people, generally. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, when he did it to Hogan, he was straight up fucking just trying to embarrass him and make it look fucking goofy. Because he was like, I think Hogan, sh- you know when Hogan does the shove, they do the lock up and he shoves the guy. Sean, like, rolled back twice, f- got tangled up in the ropes, flopped out, got <laughs> up, ran in a circle, and fell back down. <laughs> like, <laughs> He didn't do anything like that to Hacksaw. <laughs> I, just, I, I just thought the selling was a little silly, a little over the top, but it's whatever in this you, match. You t- it's totally valid. It's like you, like I have a, uh, I guess there's a bell curve for overselling. <laughs> and like, to me, he's like about in the middle right now. He's like for, for overselling as a heel. He's like, it's entertaining. It's like watching Dolph Ziggler sell. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. He tries to run away, but he brings him back, and then uh, he's got him on the apron. He's gonna do like the the Sheamus thing, where he's got him. And he's gonna do like the cross face punches, mm-hmm. but he does the hot shot stunner, and then Sean gets back in, and I'm shocked because he starts punching Hacksaw, and he's selling it. Like Hacksaw's falling down on the mat every time Sean punches him. Yeah, and I was impressed about that because I didn't know Jim Duncan can do that. <laughs> He just chose to this time, I guess. Yeah. He's like, because I Duggan is notorious for no selling. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying he wants to be like an asshole about it, but I think he picks and chooses who he wants to sell for. Yeah, my my theory is that he's in the '80s and he's thinking about like the children, in my opinion, where he's like a superhero, um, where possibly he, where he always has to come on top because that's a happy ending, pretty much. Yeah, at this point, he might recognize that he's, like, a little older. He's, like, a veteran now. Mm-hmm. He's not as in good shape as he was back then. Uh, he's still hoss, but you can tell he's, like, kind of, like, he's gotten a little overweight. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, he's got advantage. He starts doing heel shit, raking the eyes, doing chin locks, and then you see the origin of the Dolph Ziggler multi-elbow drop into the taunt. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, this is where he got it from. Okay. That's the first time I've seen it. Um, Hacksaw does come back. He's throwing bombs, does a shoulder block, and 
they're, they're fighting outside and then like he hacksaw gets him back to the ring and then he gets him in the corner for the 10 punch whips him into the ropes does a spinning body slam and he's setting up for the i thought he was gonna do the shoulder tackle because his finish was the football tackle mm-hmm. but he goes like oh and he does he does the setup for it and then he just clotheslines the fuck out of sean and he just <laughs> flops out of the ring and hits the guardrail mm-hmm. and then he goes after him and he tries to leave again and they fight they're fighting again and then sean thumbs him in the eye and he like tries to run away and Hacksaw clotheslines him over the fucking railing, which got a big pop. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And then, like, he gets back in the ring, but then the bell rings. What? Oh, the referee was counting. Remember when people used to do that? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean lost by countout, but there's no title change. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I was surprised that Duggan sold so much for Sean. And he did a promo because he's like, I'm not leaving until I talk to the president. Uh, and so they did this thing where he threw the chair, threw three chairs, but the third one couldn't make it over the ring. Um, yeah. And then that's when you got uh, Bobby Heenan going, he's a fashion, he's a interior designer now or whatever. I think Vince McMahon said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I like this match pretty well, actually. It was 6.5 out of 10. It was fun. It felt like the right kind of match. Like, it felt like both guys were, were in the right role and they were working that way. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I gave it a 6.0. Um, I was impressed with Jim Duggan's uh, selling. Um, his shoulder tackles still look good. Um, that's because fucking HBK was overselling it. Um I didn't like that he hulked up. I hate when faces do that. Yeah, I don't really like the Hulk up thing. So I was higher in my scoring before, but like the Hulk up kind of brought it down. So I that's why I gave it a 6.0, uh, a 6 out of 10. Um, I like where it's heading um, because that means we get another Shawn Michaels match and we're going to get Yokozuna as a lumberjack and we're also going to get fucking Mr. Perfect as a lumberjack. So we're getting stars on the show. Finally, which they, they announced that later in the show, this, but this whole thing runs through the entire show as an angle. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you say hacksaw gets the mic and he starts talking about Sean and running away and he makes a good point. How could I beat the crap out of this guy? He runs away from me and he, he wins. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I ain't leaving until I, I talk to somebody. And that's he. He fires the crowd up again too with that fucking two by four. Mm-hmm. He's over, and they're like in New York. That's what's like weird about this. How over they are. Where yeah. he is. I, I mean, um, I'm. I'm gonna give him his due, man. He 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 had the crowd over, and uh, not a lot of people can do that, especially in today's uh, wrestling. Yeah, it's cool. It's like they were they were hyped for Paxwell Jeff Duggan. Mm-hmm. Um. But then we go to Mean Gene, and he's got the King of the Ring report. And I'm like, man, remember when people used to build pay-per-views and shit? They yep. used to do slamboree report, give us updates, and hype up the show for like a fucking month or so in advance instead of being like two weeks before the pay-per-view. Uh, Survivor Series. <laughs> go watch it, maybe. 
we don't care. <laughs> um, but they, uh, Bret Hart and Lex Luger qualified. They're in the tournament. Um, we get the missing world champion Hulk Hogan is going to face Yoko Zuda for the title again. Mm-hmm. And then Gene tells us Hacksaw has left the ring, uh, apparently. And we're, we're going back to, to to the action, which is Doink the Clown versus the Kamikaze Kid. No, I want to talk about this before we get into the match. They mentioned that Mr. Perfect and Doink the Clown had a match, but there was a draw. Right, yeah, you're right. And I'm just like, I want to fucking see that match. I want, Yeah, I want to see Mr. Perfect versus Doink. Sure, this version of Doink. Yeah, because I'm like, if it ended in the draw, because they're both disqualified, but they also talked about it might be a rematch so that they can requalify. Maybe that was on Superstars or something. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, we got the um, Kamikaze Kid, the one, two, three kid. <laughs> it's Sean Waltman. X-Pac. It's weird, though, because on his gear, it says L-Kid, which is his name on the in the territory, wherever the fuck he was still wrestling that was left. It was Lightning Kid. They call him Kamikaze Kid, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, it's just Doink beating the fuck out of him, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think he gets any offense. No. Uh, at some point, Vince goes, like, you're talking about Doink, and Vince says this, I swear to God, like this. He's like, basically, he's some sort of evil clown. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's pretty on the nose. Sure, Vince. Vince. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he just hits, like, his huge belly-belly suplex. He's, like, brutalizing him with these fucking submissions. Doink hits the STF. Yeah, he did STF, and, like, Kid, kid is selling his ass off. He's like screaming in these holds like he's in horrible pain. <laughs> <laughs> and then he puts Doink, puts him in this weird fucking submission I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell he did. He like got his leg and like bent it up at him and did something else with his other leg and like fell over and put him in this weird fucking pretzel where he basically just couldn't get out of it. <laughs> and he was like, I give up. I give up. And like the referee was like, what? And he was like <laughs> stuck in this hold, giving up for like 15 seconds. And like Macho Man was like, he's giving up, man. Ring the bell. <laughs> yeah. Squash. Squash by submission. But it was fun. Yes. All right. So we have Bob Backlund versus Gilbert. I mean, Dwayne Gill. Another familiar face. Dwayne Gill with hair. Yes. Not very much hair, but hair. I like this Bob Backlund match. Out of all the Bob Backlund matches that we were watching. What? Really? Yeah. I uh, thought you would have hated it. I was expecting you to be like, Bob Backlund, my favorite wrestler. He, it, it seems like the transition that you're talking about, Psycho Bob. I think it's coming out because he seemed more brutal in this match against Dwayne Gill. He also seemed kind of weird like he had bizarre behavior during this match and he didn't do a handshake he didn't so i think this is the transformation of bob Backlund being crazy as fuck he's like making all these weird grunting sounds and shit Mm -hmm. when he was doing all these maneuvers and he was like whoa 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 (laughs) he's like putting people in putting them in submissions and shit trying to get out Mm mm-hmm I think Dwayne Gill, like, he put him in a short arm scissor, and he actually did, like, a really impressive reversal to get out of it, though. Yeah. He, like, 
rolled backwards, Bob Backlund did, picked him up like deadlift because he's stuck in this Dwayne Gill stuck in this monkey position where he's holding on to his arm, so he can't help him. Mm-hmm. So he deadlifts him all the way up and puts him on the turnbuckle. I'm like, fuck, that guy is strong. <laughs> like I've seen John Cena do that to guys, but like I've never seen Bob Backlund do it. Yeah. Uh then I, I don't he does some weird offense and then he beats Gill with this weird painting combination. I don't even know what the fuck to call that. And he just goes like he looks at hard camera, gives double thumbs up, and is like, Yeah. <laughs> he pits him like it was supposed to be something really cool. <laughs> like, what the hell was that? Did, did, uh, did you give it a score? I did give it a score because Dwayne got a lot of offense on him, actually. Like, he controlled half the match, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just Bob Backlund would keep getting out of his holds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was dull. I didn't really care for this that much. I still say Bob Backlund looks really out of place. And mm-hmm. He has strange mannerisms, but when you brought up the psycho Bob Backlund thing, mm-hmm. It makes it's making me rethink this a little bit. Like maybe they're trying to maybe Vince is like act act crazy or something. Just let's try something else. <laughs> I still feel like somebody got a time machine and went back to like the 1970s and put Bob Backlund here because of how he works. It's just that's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, four point twenty five out of ten. Oh, I gave it a five out of ten. I was like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> I was I was more intrigued and it, probably because I saw so much squash matches that happened. I was <laughs> I was just itching to see something, I guess. Some something that was a, a match almost. Yeah. <laughs> um we're back and Hacksaw comes out to talk to Vince about next week's match and he says Sean spends more time out of the ring and he's awful pretty and he can wrestle well, but he can't fight a lick. Tough guy. Mm-hmm. And he just talks shit and basically talking about the lumberjack stipulation and how he's going to beat him for USA. Ho. 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 Then we get a Barton Billy promo where he's shooting fucking beer bottles. Yeah, that shit was awesome. I, I liked it. I, it. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know what it is about the cheesiness of this promo. But, like, seeing the Western and, like, Billy Gunn, like, actually doing it. (laughs) Like, I'm a cowboy, motherfucker. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was awesome. It was like, like, Bart Gunn was like, we keep hearing about how there's trouble in the WWF. This is how we deal with trouble. He, like, turns around and goes, like, breaks some bottles. Like, what? You're gonna shoot people? (laughs) (laughs) And then shoot the stuff off of a cactus? Yeah. What is that called? What is the stuff of a cactus called? Needles? No, like the, the greenery of the cactus. I don't know. They, they shot like pieces of it off. I have no idea. Is it, is it cactus bark? Cactus, that's a good fucking rec, uh, wrestling name. Cactus bark. Cactus bark. I'm going to remember that. That's great. <laughs> it's kind of cool, though. I did like the vignette. Yeah. Hopefully we get to see him soon. Um, Probably will. Uh, Captain Lewis, Al- what's his last p- part of his name? Albano. Albano. This is another 80s manager. Um, 
back in the day. Uh, he, apparently, he's managed the head shrinkers before they were the head shrinkers. Uh, no, uh, he managed the uh, wild Samoans. Oh, yeah. Which was Afa and Sika. And this is where it gets racy, everybody. Um, so anyway, the head shrinker, shrinkers, Fatu and Samu versus Jim Bell and Tony Roy. Um, I thought it was Jay Sledge and Jim Bailey. Uh, I I <laughs> wrote something down. I did too. I, I couldn't really. They were all talking over the announcement of their names, and they never had like a Chiron graphic for like what the hell their names were. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Fuck!" I heard Jay Sledge. I'm like ninety percent sure that that was that was the black guy's name in that team. Jim okay. Bailey, white guy. I don't know. He's either Jim Bailey or what did you say? Jim Bell and Tony Jim Roy. Bell. Jim Belly. <laughs> But anyway, this match was, an, I'm just going to outright say, is a squash. And it was just mainly the commentators yelling at each other, especially Bobby, he- Bobby Heenan and Captain Lewis. Uh, this is this like the thing they did last week with uh, Curtis Hughes. Yeah. It was a little bit racy because Captain Lewis talked Samoan, and I don't think that was Samoan at all. No. It was meant to be like kind of cutesy funny but it was like you could come across like they're you're making fun of Samoans of course the portrayal of the Samoan wrestlers right now is still like they're weird savages yeah so I, I <laughs> I'm not outright saying it's racist just a little weird because like if you're gonna say a language right at least be somewhat able to hear it he was just gonna be. He's just like, and like, <laughs> fucking. Uh, when Bobby Heenan said the Polish comment, I fucking lost. <laughs> it was it was funny in spots, but honestly, like him being there, Will Bono, it was, it was kind of fucking annoying. Yeah, he wouldn't shut the fuck up, and he was. I think it was supposed to be funny that he was arguing with Bobby Heenan, mm-hmm. but like it. Again, it was like last week when they they had they just decided to do the comedy hour for like one jo- extended jobber match, and it just it was annoying because it was taking you out of what was going on in the ring. Mm. And I, I like the the head shrinkers. I love when they open the match and they throw that poor soul like fifteen feet in the fucking air and he hits the ground. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and then like they they beat the fuck out of these guys like it was great. And then the finish was awesome. Like, mm. Fatu Rikishi hits that huge splash, like, halfway across the rings, crushes that guy. Mm-hmm. Big splash. And they, they win, and then they start choking him while and, and ripping his clothes up <laughs> until Afa stops them and makes them headbutt each other. <laughs> it gets them to stop. It was a squash. Yeah, a squash. Then we get this weird... Bushwhackers construction segment. They're like doing home repairs. And the pipes burst. I fucking hated it. Me too. It was 15 seconds long and I'm like, I, I fucking hate the Bushwhackers so much. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I want to I wanna see what they worked like when they were the sheep herders. Because like I keep hearing like they were real different like before they joined WWF and they were like, more like asshole heels 
like mm. kind of asshole wild heels or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I cannot stand them as the Bushwhackers at all. Me either. Bushwhackers. What? What? What were you going to say? No, no, I was just going to say I just hate them too because it's like the gimmick is weird. It's just nerve grating. I could see like fucking kids loving this though. Mm-hmm. That's what this was made for. This was made for like little kids. Yeah. Uh, but we get Kamala versus some jobber with the last name Myers. I never caught his first name. Yeah, I just have Myers. <laughs> yeah, because uh, again, they don't show a fucking Kyron for this dude. Uh, they have a fat raw girl, and then he makes a comment about bacon cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turned the lights down, and then he says she's bigger than Kamala. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> Roasted the hell, roasted the hell out of her. Um, and then it op- We like Kamala, right? We we like the Kamala gimmick. I like it, but this face Kamala, and we already know how he works. But like this match, I don't get it at all. Because we what? already know how Kamala is. Like he shouldn't be in another squash, right? I guess not, but to their credit, we haven't seen Kamala for a while. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe this should have opened the show. Maybe. Because it, it, it was Kamala, like Kamala's still over, obviously. But like, I like how it starts where he tries to shake hands with Kamala and then he's like, should I? Because <laughs> the whole gimmick with Kamala now these faces, it's basically audience interaction. It's like, they're, they're trying to help Kamala figure out what to do, which is a really unique gimmick, actually. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, okay. So he tries to go for it, but then the dude drop kicks him and he just like no sells it totally. Like it had no effect at all. And he looks confused. <laughs> he's like, what? And then he did it again. He was like, what? Like he couldn't process what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then he starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> Those thrust kicks, the, the punches, throwing them across the ring like sex shit. Mm-hmm. And then he hits a big splash eventually. Yeah. And then it gets into the thing where he doesn't know how to pin a guy still. <laughs> yeah, and the, the crowd's like chanting the pin. He's like, no, turn him over. And then Macho was like, turn him over, brother. Yeah. And he's like, no, you went too far. Go back. <laughs> and. I don't know. It was kind of amusing to me. It was a squash. I, I, I like the Kamala gimmick. It's it, He's so committed to it. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Then they had this hard camera spot of a lady eating the ice cream bar uh, thing. They wanted to show, remember the ice cream bars were a big deal. CM Punk wanted them to come back. Dude, those ice cream bars were good. I never fucking had them. My, um, when I used to live in uh, the city... Uh, and, and when I say the city in New York, I don't mean Manhattan. We considered the boroughs like Queens, the city. So I call it the city. But anyway, uh, the ice cream trucks used to come by and they had the WWF ice cream bars and I would always get one. And I had a Macho Man. Ooh, yeah. And then I had a uh, Doink the Clown ice cream bar because he was on it as well. I always heard they were great but mm-hmm. like i i don't know if i could ever get them where i lived at i don't think anybody sold them here mm-hmm. um let's see they announced there's gonna be a king of the ring qualifier next week bam bam bigelow versus typhoon and i'm like okay that might be interesting yeah 
But what about Tatanka? Uh, like, shouldn't Tatanka and Bam Bam Bigelow be feuding? I thought so. Maybe they resolved it on Superstars. Maybe. Wrestling Challenge, which is like another show they don't really have on there. <laughs> uh, then Bobby Heenan said before the last break, he was going to go talk to Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. So he does. And then Shawn Michaels is like, this is unfair. And I don't have Jack Tony's phone number like some people do. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I've got friends too, but you know what? I got a plan. And then Bobby Heenan's like, what's the plan? And then Shawn's just like, I can't, the camera. (laughs) He's like, oh, hang on. Don't worry. He like puts the mic behind his back and you can't hear what they're saying. I'm like, ah, that's kind of funny. I wonder what the plan's going to be. Diesel. Think? Maybe. I mean, Diesel, it's coming up pretty soon. It could be Diesel. That would be because he would be interesting to see against Yoko, right? Well, Yoko's on on their side, actually. He's a heel. Yoko's the heel, but like Diesel's imminent at this point. He's coming within a few weeks, I believe. Okay. All right. I mean, the show was a lot stronger than WCW, in my opinion. It was a better effort from them, too, lately, than what they've been putting out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do like the first match with Jim Duggan uh, and HBK. That was good. Uh, Don't like the clown showed up. He has submission skills, even though it was a squash. Yeah. Bob Backlund looked different, so that was a plus side for me. Uh, and also a sighting of Dwayne Gill. Um, and the one, two, three kid. Yep. Then we're going to get that Razor Ramon soon. The Barton. That's, that's, I think that's next week. Cool. And then they kept an angle going with HBK and Jim Duggan so that the, we, whole, the whole show they, they pushed an angle. Yeah. So that, that gives me hope that like we're getting somewhere now. They're starting to form some chemistry. Yeah, there's like they're it's like they're getting a grip on how to format this show because mm-hmm. I don't think on superstars like I, I'm I can't I haven't watched the old superstars but I want to say I feel like they're running a similar show format to what they do on superstars where it's just here's a match here's a promo here's <laughs> a match like there's not really any cohesion to it yeah and. It, this feels like the first time in a while where they actually ran an angle and tried to make it tie into other stuff through the show and all that, which is what Raw was known to be good at in the late 90s and stuff. And I, maybe even in the mid-90s, I can't really remember that clearly. But, mm-hmm. yeah. I gave it a 5.8 out of 10. I gave it a 5.5 5 out of 10 because okay. I, there was some, I didn't like the, uh, there's still a lot of squashes, but, uh, I didn't like that Bob Backlund match very much. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the only thing that kind of pissed me off a little bit was the Captain Louie. Um, yeah, I didn't really care for him either. And I'm trying to think what else that I didn't like. Just Jim Duggan hulking up i guess but other than that everything else i was happy about i just WWF love... won this week yes finally <laughs> so next episode of getting some color we're going to be covering actually when is 
Oh, it's deeper, the uh, uh, gear. Um, Full gear is uh, the Saturday after next, the 13th. Yeah, so we got May 8th, uh, 1993 for WCW Saturday Night, and then May 10th for WWF Raw. And then I, I believe after that week, then we'll get into full gear, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, is there anything else you wanted to close out? No. Uh, I guess we're... I, I don't know if I'm implementing a three-strike policy or not, but WCW has a strike right now. Okay. We're, we're talking about the fast-forwarding. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they put on an eh show, so we'll see how the next one goes, and we'll go from there. All right. One strike for WCW. Yeah. How many strikes does WWF have? For this month, none. None? Okay. Because, like, this this show was, was okay. I didn't feel, like, mad or, like, really disappointed. Or, like, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised by it, even though I said 5.5. But it's like I said before, like, a 5 in a 10 scale like 10 point scale is not bad for me. That means it's average Uh and it's a little bit above average this time. So. All right. Plus it's shorter. It's, 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 it's harder to get mad at a show where you feel like you kind of wasted your time a little bit. If it's shorter. Mm -hmm. It's not like a raw today where you have to watch three hours and it's shit. No, it's like fucking goddamn act of congress to get through fucking raw <laughs> but uh if you want to catch more of, of getting some color make sure you type in getting some color on um stitcher red red circle apple podcast google podcast spotify uh amazon music and other uh stuff as well next week we will be streaming on youtube we're gonna finally put youtube into uh just like how we do big trouble um, so that we could have a archive of that. So keep an eye out for that as well. But until next time, everybody, remember to get some color, brother. Yeah, dig it. <laughs>